Never has there been a more exciting time to be alive, a time of rousing wonder and heroic achievement. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where we're going, we don't need roads. Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, they're gonna see some serious shit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. We have a great show for you today. Hope you enjoyed last week's time capsule with Kevin Parcher from Defunct Land. I know we took, didn't really cover Back to the Future too much, a slight mention of it, but I found him by way of Back to the Future, as you heard in that interview. That's why it's a time capsule. Don't worry, it's not canon. It's not canon. It's not a part of the official season. But I just really wanted to share it with you all, and, and he's got a great YouTube channel, and he's got a great, great book out. So I, I definitely think that you should seek that, that interview if you haven't already listened to it. Uh, that is Kevin Perger from Defunct Land, a great YouTube channel. But today on the show, we have a more Back to the Future-centric guest. We have Ian Desher. Ian Desher is the author of William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future, the new book that just hit stands everywhere. Uh, it is a part of the Pop Shakespeare series where Ian Desher, who is a New York Times bestselling author, uh, y'all might know him from William Shakespeare's Star Wars. He's venturing off now. His first book after the Star Wars books was now Back to the Future. He adapted the story in traditional Shakespearean English in iambic pentameter with Shakespearean rhyme. Uh, the back of the book actually says, that every scene and every line of dialogue from the movies is recreated in authentic Shakespearean rhyme meter and stage directions. Woodcut style illustrations add to the fun along with inside jokes and Easter eggs from Huey Lewis callouts to the inner thoughts of Einstein the dog. By Revel's End, you'll be convinced that Shakespeare had a time-traveling DeLorean of his own speeding to our era to pin this tale. Um, <clears throat> this is fun book, man. I have spent time reading it. And uh, even on the back of the book, it says, What lightning through yonder clock tower breaks? <laughs> and I've just been flipping through random pages here. You know, let's see here. I'm going to read a selection. Before we get into the interview with Ian Desher, I'm going to read a selection from William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future. Let's see. <clears throat> this is page 44 of Get Thee Back to the Future. We are in the parking lot of the Twin Pines Mall. Marty has just seen the DeLorean time machine for the first time, and Doc is about to do temporal experiment number one. And here we go. If every calculation is correct, when this, my baby, source of my hopes, doth hit the speed of 88 in miles per hour, then Marty, verily, Thine eyes shall witness shit most serious. <laughs> Marty. The car accelerates, yet does not move, but spins its tires faster and faster than a cyclone. 
it burneth rubber like a mighty pyre, and rocketh back and forth with energy. Each centimeter itching for release, the meter dock doth hold, goes up and up, and shows the speed potential rising higher. Twenty, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, and more than sixty. Ian fleeter than a cheetah at a sprint. Doc flips a switch, now doth the car come. It groweth closer, like a comet that doth make its way across the starry heavens and passes through the atmosphere of Earth. <laughs> this comet, though seems bond us, are bound to hit us both. Thou approachest quickly like a bolt, with Einstein smiling happily inside. I am afraid. Hath Doc lost his sense? Is my own friend my doom? Fear not, Marty. Behold. End scene. <laughs> that is just a selection from Ian Desher's Get Thee Back to the Future. I hope I didn't butcher that too much. I was a little bit too much into that. So uh, we talk about him getting the idea for this book, but also starting back with his Star Wars trilogy idea and um, also discuss something that I'm going to discuss further here maybe next week. I've said it every week on this show. Is I said that Back to the Future is the greatest trilogy of all time. And I had some friends in from L.A. over the weekend here in Houston. We did this event called the Movie Trivia Schmodown, which y'all heard the Back to the Future Schmodown. We did it live in a wrestling ring at Booker T. World Gym Arena, and I was talking to Christian Harloff and a couple other guys who are movie reviewers and movie critics from L.A., Hollywood. And we had a really serious debate on, is Back to the Future the greatest trilogy of all time? And there's a lot of factors that go into it. Ian Desher and I talk about it a little bit. I plan to have maybe a Christian on the show so we can delve deeper into that conversation. But enjoy my, my takes and my conversation with Ian Desher, ho- uh, author of William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future. And he joins me on the show right now, the author of William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future, Ian Desher. Ian, how are you doing today, man? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. So I saw this book perusing through in, uh, Amazon one day, and I was like, there's no way this is a real book. And I had heard of you know, these William Shakespeare stories, you know, for Star Wars or stuff like that. But I, you know, I obviously I'm into Back to the Future. I I keep up the date on everything and I wasn't aware of the project. So when I saw it, I instantly bought it. And I don't think I've put the book down because I've been laughing so hard reading through some of these iconic scenes. Uh, Just before you called me, I was reading the scene where Doc uh, is is talking about his calculations. uh, If thou art correct. You know, and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about the project, man. I know you, you've worked on these kind of books before. Where did the idea come from? How did it start? And just kind of walk me through the process. Yeah, so I've done, uh, you know, a lot of these William Shakespeare Star Wars books. And uh, we decided, we, by we, I mean, Quirk Books and I, and my publisher, uh, decided to branch out and do this Pop Shakespeare series where we are uh, branching out into other films. And uh, we had, you know, over the years had talked about what other, other movies might get the Shakespearean treatment. And Facts of the Future is one that I grew up with. I was eight years old when it came out in 1985. Uh, and so it's, you know, we had it on VHS when I was a kid and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and so it was, it had always been sort of top of my list of one that I had uh, wanted to do. And Quirk Books had done a children's book version of Back to the Future, um, not, you know, just a, a year or two ago. And so they had already sort of worked out some of the licensing with Universal and uh, working with 
uh, Bob Gale uh, and everything to, to get that done. So, uh, so they thought this, this one might, might be one that could work. Uh, and they, we uh, put together a proposal for universal and for Bob Gale and, uh, and it was, uh, it was accepted. So uh, we were able to get the licensing and, uh, and make this book happen. Were, were, did you uh, speak with Bob Gale about the project at all? Did you have an opportunity to speak with him? I haven't, I did not speak with him directly, but he did write back a uh, when in response to our proposal. He wrote back a, uh, a poem to me uh, about this project, which was which was a lot of fun. Definitely one of the top moments for me as an author. Wait, so he wrote a poem that 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 is in, so. Did yeah. he write it in like the in the vein of Shakespeare? Or like what you know? Can you give me a little context? I'm not saying you have to read it, but what what was the what was the poem like? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of you know he sort of used some some. Shakespearean like language uh and it, and it was just you know about sort of uh his enthusiasm for the project it was like it was like eight lines or something like that it wasn't super long but uh it was really sweet oh that's awesome so what like what was the genesis of it i mean obviously it, you know maybe one day you came with the idea of what if i did star wars in in shakespearean english but were you know was shakespeare something you studied in school or or what was the fascination with the shakespearean style yeah so ever since i was a freshman in high school um that, that's when i started studying shakespeare for the first time uh we read othello in my in my freshman year english class and i was a theater nerd and so i uh loved that we were reading a play in class and uh, I, I really, you know, I sort of fell in love with the story and fell in love with, like, I really liked Iago as a villain. Uh, and so, and I also, we, at the same time, our English teacher taught us about poetic meter, uh, which as a person who had loved things like Twas the Night Before Christmas or Dr. Seuss, uh, you know, poetic meter made a lot of sense to me and uh, just everything sort of seemed to click at once. And so, so I love Shakespeare really since, since back then, that's, you know, more than 25 years ago now. Um, and, you know, it was also the same era that Kenneth Branagh was coming out with a lot of his Shakespearean adaptation movies and things like that. So it was a really good time to be a young person uh, sort of falling in love with Shakespeare. And then you had, I mean, what, what, did you have any aspirations to be an author? Were you, would you, you know, I don't know, would you try to be a playwright of any kind? Was that kind of on your list or were you eyeing that at all? I thought that I uh, might be an author and might write books, but I thought that they would probably be academic books. I have a, an academic background and um, thought that that might be sort of the route that I would go and, and really did not imagine doing something like this until I had the idea uh, for Shakespeare's Star Wars, which was about seven years ago. And, and where, where was the germ of the idea? Were you watching you know, the original trilogy or something one day? It was like, wait, you know, you know it would be awesome if we broke this down as a, as a three-act play in Shakespearean English. Yeah, it was sort of a combination of of, of factors. So I, I did rewatch the trilogy. That was that was part of it. And then I uh, and then I read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which was one of the first mashup books to become really popular. Uh, and then not too long after that, I went to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I'm from Portland. I went to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with my family. And so I kind of attributed to having Star Wars and mashups and Shakespeare all bouncing around in my head at the same time. And uh, I had the idea, like, wow, it would be really fun to take. Uh, take Star Wars and rewrite it as though it were a play by Shakespeare. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, and, and I was the sort of person who, uh, sort of nerd who over the years had, you know, tried my hand at writing an iambic pentameter a little bit, you know, written the occasional sonnet, that kind of thing. So this was not, you know, uh, out of the realm of possibility for me. 
Well, but you know, it's one thing. Like, I think everyone has had the idea of like, oh, wouldn't this be a great idea? I don't know for an invention or or a television show or a book. But not many people act on it and try to actually do it. Uh, how did you How did you get started on the Star Wars? Where you said, okay, here's my idea. Let me go pitch a publisher. Let me let me talk to Cork Books. Let me see how I can get my foot in the door. Or how did you get it from you know a German of an idea to an actual uh, piece of literature? Yeah, I mean, this is really where, where my sort of dumb luck started. Uh, I looked up Quirk Books on, online, and their editor's email address was there on their website. And so I just sent them an email, and I said, you know, you've never heard of me because I've never written anything, but I have this idea, uh, and I'm wondering if you think it has any, you know, has any legs. And he wrote back and said, well, that's an interesting idea, and if you actually write something, let me know, and I will take a look at it. And uh, And so – you know, that, that was enough motivation. I think if he hadn't written back to me, um, or if he had maybe, maybe if his response had been different, um, I'm, I'm not sure I would have done it, but the fact that he said that he would read it if I wrote it, uh, you know, inspired me to go ahead and I put together the first act or the first fifth of the, uh, of the, of Shakespeare Star Wars and, um, and sent that back to him about three weeks later. Um, and, that was when he, you know, he called me up and he said, okay, I really want to do this. And the next step is we got to get Lucasfilm on board. And he had a contact with Lucasfilm uh, because they had done a book with them a few years back. And um, so I think, uh, you know, I think it helped for, for Lucasfilm. It helped that it wasn't just me, random person coming and saying, hey, I want to do this. You know, I, I had, at that point had a publisher who would actually publish the book if, if they wanted to move forward with it. So, um, so, it, so like I say, I mean, it, it was I call it dumb luck because I really did not know what I was doing, um, but it but it all worked out. Now, would you have been able to do these books without you know Lucasfilm signing off on it? Could you not have done it without their their stamp of approval? I mean, I think that's probably uh, that's probably up for debate. I mean, these you know you certainly um, you know could it make an argument for just doing these as as parodies and therefore. You don't have to worry about getting the uh, licensing. And that was never something, it's just kind of not the way that Quirk Books does a lot of things. Um, and, and I mean, the fact that we did get the licensing means that then we're also sort of plugged into the Star Wars marketing machine. Um, and so, you know, that, that obviously helps open doors to audiences and that kind of thing. Um, you know, Star Wars fans especially, uh, even more so than many other movie franchises, I, th I think, um, you know, they they know what's officially sanctioned and what's not. So, and they sort of have their antennas up for that. So, uh, I think that I think it probably did did serve us well, and and of course, you know, avoided any question of whether or not it was legal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just out of curiosity, so you work on these books, you get obviously you get a good feedback. I mean, when it when you first went to the bookstore or on Amazon or wherever you first saw the book, I mean, was it was it somewhat of a surreal moment? Here I was watching the original trilogy, and all of a sudden I got this book on the shelves. Oh, it was wildly surreal. I mean, I mean, seven years later, it's still sort of surreal. Uh, <laughs> Did you uh, do anything sort of special to commemorate it or anything like that? Um. Let's see. I guess the, the sort of the most special thing I've done to commemorate it is, uh, I mean, I've done a few things. I, I you know, a, a friend and I took a trip down to Lucasfilm to, to meet my contact down there, which was sort of a, you know, a, a geek pilgrimage for us. Uh, and uh, I, I had seen this person online who had, a, a guy had um, 
commissioned a basically sort of a Shakespearean Darth Vader helmet. That's you know it's metal and it looks uh, sort of looks like a metal knight's helmet or something like that. Uh, and so I had the same guy make me one of those. I think that's probably my, my wife would probably say that's the the biggest thing I've done uh, to commemorate it. Okay, and then then okay, you, the, these books are successful. People like them. And you go to Quark, y'all are talking about doing this Pop Shakespeare series, and here we are, Back to the Future. You get the, the eight-line poem from Bob Gale, you're off to the races. So what's the process, though? I mean, okay, you start watching the first film, obviously. Do you look for a script online and try to take a line from the script and then say, okay, let me Shakespeare-ish this stuff, or, or what's the process? Yeah, so basically, you know, I will... Uh, watch the movie just a little bit at a time, right? So I'll listen through a line or two of dialogue. And uh, and if I need to go look at the script online, I, I will do that because sometimes, you know, a word is unclear or there might be a name that's referred to that I'm not, not catching or something like that. Um, and so sometimes I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, sometimes I'm looking up things. Uh, this was the case with Back to the Future and also the case with the Star Wars movies, you know, like uh, – if I'm, if there's some sort of lore or something like that, that I'm not quite understanding that I, I, there are places online you can go to, to find that, that sort of information. But basically just sort of, I just sort of worked my way through bit by bit. And, you know, as I'm going through, I think, well, not only how is this going to go in iambic pentameter and not only, you know, where can I use some of Shakespeare's language here and, and his vocabulary, maybe a direct reference to some of his lines, but then also, you know, what can I do to, to inject some some comedy here or inject some uh you know extra sense of what the character might be feeling in this uh in this moment uh, originally i had written um five speeches for marty that were all 88 lines uh long and and the one of the bits of feedback from universal and and bob gale was that five was maybe a little a little too many so now in the in the finished version of the book it's it's two speeches that are that long um so it's things like that, you know, little, little sort of Easter egg-ish kind of things that uh, that I like to throw in. You know, adding um, adding Marty from Back to the Future 2 uh, into the scene where Marty and Lorraine are in the car together. Uh, that was one of those things where I was I was writing on it. I was writing and I was working on it, and I, I just kind of couldn't resist. You know, there, there they were in the car together, and I thought to myself, gosh, I know what happens. We all know what happens in Back to the Future 2 while this scene is happening. So why not go ahead and make a nod to that with a, you know, with basically the second Marty coming in and having a quick speech um, during that scene. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, I never know when I do something like that, whether or not the movie studios are going to let me do it. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, at this point, my philosophy is basically like, put it in, try it. And if they, you know, the worst they can say is no, right? And so uh, that was one of those that I that I stuck in, and they didn't say anything about it. So how long from, you know, beginning of the project, sitting down, watching the movie for the first time, uh, to start working on the dialogue, from that moment on, how long does it take for you to complete this? Well, from that moment until actual publication was probably uh, somewhere around a year. Um, but from for, to write the first draft of the manuscript was a couple of months. Um, and so the, the process is that uh, I will spend a couple of months working on the manuscript. I will go in, back and do a, a full pass through of edits on my own. Then it goes off to Quirk Books. They will give me a round of edits. Then it goes off to the movie studio. 
they will give me a round of edits back. Uh, and, you know, and at that point we are, you know, getting closer to a, a more final draft. It gets laid out, you know, in the way it's going to actually look in the book. And then we go through and do another round of edits uh, just to make sure that nothing got, you know, misspelled or put in the wrong place. And even then, you know, the, even then the, the published book, I'll never forget the, the day that I received my very first book in the mail. This was William Shakespeare's Star Wars. And I started reading it to my kid and noticed a, a, a typo on like the third page. It was, oh. it was pretty funny. So these things still slip through, you know, it still, it still does happen. Um, but, you know, all those rounds of edits, you hope that you're getting most of that. Um, and sometimes, you know, I always, because I'm, because I'm anal about these kinds of things, you know, I always go back to my manuscript to see whether the, the error was mine or, or happened somewhere in the process. And I would say it's about 50, 50, uh, frankly. <laughs> well, okay. So, so you live with this thing for a year, but let's talk about the films because you, the films are, are, are the movie, especially the first movie is why you wanted to write this. You said you were a young kid when you saw back to the future for the first time in 1985. Um, what was it about the movie that, that captured you? I mean, my family was, was a family that loved sci-fi, right? So I was raised on Star Wars and Star Trek and, uh, and that kind of thing. So, so sci-fi was already, you know, a genre that, that I loved. Um, the movie is, it's, it's funny. Um, it has characters that you can identify with. It's, it's just a good story. It, the movie totally holds up to this day, uh, which is, you know, kind of remarkable, which I actually think has, has more to do with the fact that most of it takes place in, in 1955, right? And so a lot of it was set in the past, in a past that is not changing, right? So, so some movies from the 80s can feel very 80s, um, whereas that movie, most of it takes place in, in the past. And so it's, it doesn't feel, I think, as, as dated as it could. Um, and so, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say what captures your imagination as a kid, but um, just everything from, from how sort of zany and crazy Christopher Lloyd is in Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox, of course, I had watched, you know, I grew up watching Family Ties. So, you know, there he was and, and he was great. And, uh, you know, all the performances are so good um, in it uh, that there's just not, there's not a person who is, uh, who's, you know, sort of a, the weak link or anything like that. So, I, I don't know, I just grew up loving it. Now, um, and I'm in the same boat with you. I mean, all I like to tell people this: all the movies came out, uh, all three films came out before I was even born. So I had to go back and revisit them uh, in the late '90s, is when I first saw them uh, as a kid. And and still, it, it never even thought I never even had the thought of, oh, this movie seems a little old. It it has lasted forever, and I just got to watch the uh, trilogy with my nephews for the first time, maybe like three or four months ago. <clears throat> and they're born in this decade, in the 2010s, and they still resonate with it. So it, it is something about the movie. It, it doesn't date, and maybe, it, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the fact that they go back for so much of the movie to 1955 that that's why we don't look at it like a typical 80s movie. Um, but let me talk to you about this. So you did the, the trilogy of the Star Wars books. Back to the Future is also in a trilogy. I um, had some friends in from L.A. over the weekend, and we had this conversation at dinner. 
about Back to the Future, the trilogy, is it the greatest trilogy of all time? Now, Star Wars, to me, doesn't count because now it's a saga. There are nine films that are going to be in this one story. Uh, there's a few other ones you can throw in and out. Indiana Jones isn't a trilogy anymore because there's a fourth one. There's going to be a fifth one. A lot of stuff like that. Toy Story, now it's having a fourth one. Is Back to the Future the greatest trilogy of all time? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um um, and I, and I would have to I'd have to sit and think about that one, uh, you know, to go through the other trilogies. I mean, the, well, there aren't a lot. Know, I guess my point is there I, aren't a lot of just pure trilogies anymore. Everything is kind of you know over true, time yeah. they've added to the stories. I mean, I'm tempted to say something like The Godfather, but that's that's such a weird case because that's one where the first two are so incredible and the third one is so not incredible, right. <laughs> and so. Uh, you know that that one's hard because it's not as sort of evenly distributed um, as as Back to the Future is. Um, uh, but I, but I mean possibly I, I think that's I think that's a really interesting uh, question. I, now, now you're going to send me off to you know go look up other trilogies and figure this out for myself. I, I think we got to get to the bottom of it. So for me, when I was a kid, one was a perfect movie. And then I, I, as I got older, I really grew an affinity for Back to the Future 3. I think 2 is, is kind of properly rated. I think there's a lot of iconic things from Part 2 that people kind of look past, like the Pepsi Perfect or the Hoverboard. A lot of these things that, we are, that are synonymous with the Back to the Future trilogy came from Back to the Future Part 2. But in your personal rankings, how do you rank the, the films? Well, I will confess that I have seen 2 and 3 far, far fewer times than I've seen one. Um, so I've seen two and three probably not more than about three times each. Oh, Whereas wow. the first one I've seen, uh, first one I've seen dozens of times, right? So so we have to take that with, with a, you know, like, it's, it, my, my rankings are going to have a big grain of salt next to them. I, I would like, I would love to go back and spend more time with two and three and, and that, you know, uh, and get to know them better. Um, so for now, I actually, I do think my ranking is actually the order of the films. Um, I, I do like three and I, I like the Western setting. Um, two, I think they were so, I mean, I guess I, I like how sort of um, crazy they are with the whole storyline and just how much it flips into different, um, different you know, first they're in 1955 and they're in 1985, they're in 2015. And, you know, how much it flips back and forth and deals with the various uh, consequences uh, of, of different actions. Like that to me is a lot of fun. And you're absolutely right. There are so many iconic things from Back to the Future 2 that that we all just think of as part of the trilogy. Um, right. And so so for me, I think the order is is one, two, three. It's hard. You know, I think with like with anything – you can ask, you know, anybody's favorite movies or favorite musicians or favorite food on any given day. You're going to have a different answer. It just depends on how you're feeling that day and what what you know resonates with you. Sometimes three is my favorite movie. I don't know why. It just is sometimes. Um, but you, you you talk about you you did the Star Wars books. Now you're you're starting on Back to the Future. Are there plans to go to Back to the Future two and three? I know you've only seen them now six times combined. But would you like to continue this series for William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future? Um, you know, I think it is, it is, it's, it's totally undetermined at this point. Um, I think it's possible that I'll end up doing them. 
Um, I think it, it could be it could certainly be fun to do. Um, and I also think that um, it's it's possible that we'll just do the first one and move on to other things. I, you know, that's uh, the conversation has not. We, I mean, it sort of has been talked about a little bit with me and Cork folks, but not in a in a serious let's let's you know move on this kind of way. So uh, yeah, so I don't know yet, um, and I I hope I'll know more sometime. Well, you know, the, the story is to be continued, so hopefully we see something more from, from you in the Back to the Future universe. But are there any other properties that you say, man, I would love to jump all over that and, and do, I don't know, Indiana Jones or do uh, a James Bond or something like that? Is there another franchise or, or property that you're eyeing right now? I mean, I have thought about uh, James Bond uh, because it would be fun to do in some ways, maybe do some sort of an amalgam of different movies. Um, it would also be, uh, you know, um, it would be fun to do something like uh, Star Star Trek. Although the question there then becomes like, well, what do you what do you do? Do you do you pick one of the movies? Do you pick a series of episodes? How do you do that? Um, the one that I seriously have my eye on is The Princess Bride because, again, being a child of the '80s, uh, growing up with that movie, um, I would love to. I would love to do that and bring in some elements from William Goldman's book into it. Um, so, so that's that's the one that I is sort of on on my wish list. Okay, I would like to see Princess Bride. You got Andre the Giant in it. You can't go wrong, Ian. You can't go wrong with Andre the Giant. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate right. you taking the time. The book is William Shakespeare's "Get Thee Back to the Future." Um, you can get the book on Amazon.com is where I got my copy. I'm sure wherever books are sold. Uh, it's part of the great s- series of William Shakespeare uh, books. You know, William Shakespeare, Star Wars is another one y'all got to go check out. Uh, Ian, let the people know, though, uh, where they can find you, follow you, and, and keep in touch with you about your upcoming projects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am uh, on all the social media, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as Ian Descher, which is D-O-E-S-C-H-E-R. Uh, and I also have a website, iandescher.com. IanDesher.com. Well, enjoy, enjoy beautiful Portland, Oregon. Every time I think about Portland, Oregon, there's this Thai place in downtown Portland. I think it's called East Sands. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, place. it's it's delicious. I everybody needs to go check out the Pad Thai at East Sands and go say hello to my man Ian Desher. IanDesher.com. Get the book. Get thee back to the future. Available now. Ian, thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you. You have a good one. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done now?